0: This is episode 526 of the AWS podcast, released on May 29th, 2022. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS podcast. So I'm Leslie here with you. Great to have you back flying solo without Han Solo, which is its own sort of conundrum there. Um, Han will be back with us next time, but it's just little old me today. Let's get into the updates on to the topic of analytics. We're pleased to announce the general availability of one-click public embedding for Amazon QuickSight. So this is a feature that lets you embed your dashboards into public applications, wikis, and portals without any coding or development. Once enabled, anyone on the internet can start accessing those embedded dashboards with up-to-date information instantly without any server deployment or infrastructure stuff. This is very, very nice. AWS Glue now provides APIs to create AWS Glue Studio Visual jobs, so now you can programmatically create, read, update, and delete those jobs. And Glue also now supports SASL or SASL authentication for Apache Kafka, so it's the simple authentication and security layer using either SCRAM or GSS API. Amazon Redshift now supports a linear learning algorithm with Redshift ML. So what this allows you to do is to do supervised training for either linear or logistical regression problems for use cases such as predicting sales of a product, determining marketing effectiveness, or to predict customers' willingness to purchase a product or service. And you can specify the model type as linear learner with create model command to build a model straight out of Redshift. And Amazon Redshift also has launched a new snapshot isolation level support or concurrent transactions. Now, Amazon Redshift prevents dirty reads, non-repeatable reads, and phantom reads according to the SQL standards. Two options that Amazon Redshift offers to serialize transactions are serializable and snapshot isolation. The serializable option will implement strict serializability, say that three times fast, where a transaction could fail if the result could not be mapped to a serial order of the concurrent running transactions. The snapshot isolation option will allow higher concurrency where concurrent modifications to different rows in the same table would complete successfully. Under both options, transactions will continue to operate on the latest committed version or snapshot of the database. And Amazon Athena now supports views in Apache Hive metastores. And Hive views are defined using the Hive query syntax or HiveQL, which is not fully compatible with Athena's standard SQL. So with this new capability, Athena automatically handles HiveQL syntax differences so you can query Hive views without changing your view definitions or maintaining a complex translation layer. Moving on to the topic of application integration. AWS AppSync introduces a new simplified console experience to deploy generic real-time pub sub APIs. So AppSync is a fully managed service that lets you build digital experiences based on real-time data. And with AppSync, you can easily configure data sources to push and publish real-time data updates to subscribed clients. And AppSync handles the connection management, scalability, fan-out, and broadcasting, so you just build your application. Now we have a new simplified getting started experience in the console that lets customers easily deploy a generic PubSub API with a click of a button so you can get up and running much more quickly. AWS App Mesh now supports IPv6. So this helps customers that have to meet their IPv6 requirements and need to move off the IPv4 world. Now, AWS AppMesh is a service mesh that provides application-level networking to make it easy for your services to communicate with each other across multiple types of compute infrastructure. And AWS AppMesh standardizes how your services communicate, and it gives you end-to-end visibility and options to tune for high availability of your applications. Moving on to the topic of business applications, Amazon Chime CDK now supports video background replacement and blur on iOS and Android. So you can use that to reduce those visual distractions and also help visual privacy for your mobile users. Moving on to the topic of compute, and we have lots and lots of updates. Firstly, the new Amazon EC2 C7G instances powered by the AWS Graviton 3 processors are now generally available. These are the first instances powered by the latest AWS Graviton 3 processors and deliver up to 25% better performance over Graviton 2-based C6G instances for a broad spectrum of applications such as Application servers, microservices, batch processing, uh, electronic design automation, gaming, video encoding, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of cool things. Now, AWS Graviton 3 processors are the latest generation of custom-designed AWS Graviton processors that enable the best price performance for workloads in Amazon EC2. They offer up to two times better floating point performance up to two times faster crypto performance, and up to three times better ML performance, including support for bFloat16 compared to the previous generation AWS Graviton2 processors. Now, these are the first generally available instances in the cloud to feature the latest DDR5 memory, which provides 50% more memory bandwidth compared to DDR4, and that enables you to have high-speed access to data in memory. And Graviton3-based instances also use 60% less energy for the same performance than comparable EC2 instances. So this also helps you reduce your carbon footprint in the cloud as well. Now, these instances are built on the AWS Nitro system, which is a collection of AWS designed hardware and software innovations that give you efficient, flexible, and secure cloud services with isolated multi-tenancy, private networking, and fast local storage. You get up to 30 gig of enhanced network bandwidth and up to 20 gig of bandwidth to EBS. So some great stuff there. It's worth checking out. Another new instance type is the EC2 i4i Metal instances. And these are powered by the third generation Intel scalable processors codenamed Ice Lake with an all-core turbo frequency of 3.5 gigahertz. And they give you a 30% better compute price performance over the i3 instances. It also gives you access to always-on memory encryption using Intel Total Memory Encryption or TME. So this is the way to go if you want the highest local storage performance within Amazon EC2. And these are designed for databases such as MySQL, Oracle DB, MySQL Server, and NoSQL databases like MongoDB, Catchbase, Aerospike, and Redis, where low latency local NVMe storage is needed to meet application SLAs. We're also happy to announce the general availability of Nitro TPM and UEFI secure boot on Amazon EC2. Nitro TPM conforms to the TPM 2.0 specification, which is the Trusted Platform Module specification, making it easy to migrate existing on premises workloads that use TPM functionalities to EC2. And a TPM is a security device that lets you gather and attest system state, store and generate cryptographic data, and prove platform identity. Using the AWS Nitro system, the Nitro TPM allows EC2 instances to generate, store, and use keys without having access to them. And Nitro TPM can attest to the integrity of customers' instances by providing cryptographic proof via attestation mechanisms. Now, UEFI Secure Boot builds on EC2's existing Secure Boot processes and provides additional defense in depth that helps customers secure software from threats that persist across reboots. It helps ensure that your EC2 instances run authentic software by verifying the signature of all boot components and halts the boot process if the signature verification fails. Now, Nitro TPM and UEFI Secure Boot implement industry standard specifications supported by many operating systems for features like key protection, boot process validation, and digital rights management. No additional cost for using them, but this will be really handy. And a new capability for Amazon EC2, it is called the stop protection feature that enables customers to protect their instances from accidental stop actions. Now, previously, of course, you could protect your instance from unintentional terminate actions by enabling termination protection. With stop protection, customers with stateful workloads can safeguard data in instance store volumes from unintentional stop and terminate actions. Amazon EC2 auto scaling now backfills predictive scaling forecasts so you can quickly validate forecast accuracy. So now what it will do is go back 14 days to generate capacity forecasts for the past dates, enabling you to see how predictive scaling would have scaled your auto-scaling group. This means you can quickly decide if the predictive scaling policy is accurate for your applications by comparing the demand and capacity forecasts against the actuals immediately after you create a predictive scaling policy. Previously, you had to wait a few days to figure it out. Now you can go back in time. AWS Resilience Hub has added support for Terraform, Amazon ECS and additional services and what this allows you to do is to prepare and protect even more of your applications from disruptions. We've also updated how your application's resilience score is calculated and the new resilience score reflects a combination of operational recommendations and policy compliance and this gives you a more inclusive indicator of your application's readiness for different disruption scenarios. They also now have daily assessments on new applications that are run automatically, and you can manually activate this feature on existing applications or deactivate this feature at any time. Amazon EKS Anywhere curated packages are now in public preview. And this extends the core functionality of Kubernetes on your EKS Anywhere clusters. You can install the Harbor package as a local container registry starting today with the ms 3 ingress package and the support for service type load balancing through Metal LB coming in the next few months. More curated packages will be added over time based on customer demand. AWS Lambda has added support for Node.js 16 as both a managed runtime and a container based image. So if you want to run Node.js 16, you can take advantage of that, including features such as support for Apple Silicon in local development, the timers and promises API, and also enhanced performance as well. The AWS distribution of Kubeflow supporting Kubeflow version 1.4.1 is now generally available and this streamlines data science tasks and helps you build highly reliable, secure, portable and scalable ML systems with reduced operational overheads through integration with AWS managed services. You can use this Kubeflow distribution to build ML systems on top of the EKS service to build, train and deploy ML models. Onto the topic of developer tools. AWS Encryption SDK for .NET is now generally available and you can use this to help protect your data. The open source release makes it easy for developers to encrypt and decrypt the data when building applications using the .NET developer platform. Now, the AWS Encryption SDK is a client-side encryption library designed to make it easy to encrypt and decrypt data based upon industry standards and best practice. With this release, the AWS Encryption SDK is now available in C, Java, JavaScript, Python, .NET, and command line interface implementations. All implementations of the AWS encryption SDK are interoperable. You can encrypt data in one program language and decrypt it in another. And as I was told early on in my development career, don't write your own crypto. (laughs) So use this one. Moving on to the topic of front-end web and mobile, we're pleased to announce Amplified Android Library in Developer Preview designed for Kotlin. So this has been rewritten for Kotlin. The initial release enables Android developers to add cloud-based app features, including auth, storage, data store, and APIs for their Kotlin-based Android applications. And developers will benefit from Kotlin-based language features like coroutines. Onto the topic of games. AWS announces support for Android, iOS, and macOS games with AWS GameKit for Unreal Engine. This gives game developers a powerful toolset to quickly and easily build AWS powered game features directly from the Unreal Editor. With this update, the AWS GameKit plugin for Unreal Engine now supports developers who are building games, as I mentioned, for Win64, Android, iOS, and macOS. And you can use it to integrate the following cloud based features identity and authentication achievements, game state cloud saving, and user gameplay data. An AWS game kit includes complete solution for each game feature and an architecture design based on the well-architected framework. And each feature comes with an AWS CloudFormation template for the backend architecture, plugin controls to manage the backend from the Unreal Engine, and sample C++ code and blueprint assets to help you integrate the features into your games. Moving on to the topic of the Internet of Things, we're happy to introduce a more flexible AWS device qualification program for FreeRTOS. And this is the DQP program for FreeRTOS that aligns to the modular structure of the latest FreeRTOS and long-term support library releases. The AWS DQP for FreeRTOS allows microcontroller vendors to verify the integration of FreeRTOS AWS IoT libraries running on a specific MCU-based environment board against AWS's published best practices or AWS IT core connectivity, and against tests specified by the qualification program. Previously to qualify the development boards, you had to structure your programs around a fixed directory structure and repository. Now MCU vendors have the flexibility to include only the free RTOS libraries directly relevant to their application, choose a project structure and repository to best use their toolchain and run tests relevant to their board features. And we're also happy to announce three featured free RTOS reference integration projects. And these are pre-integrated free RTOS projects ported to partner-provided microcontroller-based evaluation boards that demonstrate secure internet connectivity to AWS IT Core. The three reference integration projects are developed in collaboration with our partners Espressif, NXP, and STM Microelectronics, and each project uses the latest FreeRTOS and AWS Embedded C SDK long-term support libraries. Moving on to the topic of machine learning. Amazon Personalize now supports offline model metrics for recommenders, so this enables you to evaluate the quality of your recommendations. A recommender is a resource that provides recommendations optimized for specific use cases, such as frequently bought together for retail or top picks for you for media and entertainment. Offline metrics are metrics that Amazon Personalize generates when you create a recommender. You can use offline metrics to analyze the performance of the recommender's underlying model. And offline metrics allow you to compare the model with other models trained on the same data. The metrics provided include coverage, mean reciprocal rank, normalized discount, cumulative gain, and precision. Amazon Comprehend now detects and redacts 14 new PII entity types across the US, UK, Canada, and India. So Comprehend is a natural language processing service that uses machine learning to find insights and relationships, like people, places, sentiments, and topics in unstructured text. Now, you can also use it to redact any personally identifiable information or PII in customer emails, support tickets, product reviews, etc. Previously, it supported 22 entries across multiple categories. It is now supporting 14 new entity types, including things like the U.S. Individual Tax Identification Number. In India, the ADHA card, Permanent Account Number, NREJR Voter Number, etc., Um, In the UK, the national insurance number amongst many. And in Canada, the social insurance number and the Canada health number. So you can imagine how this can help you process huge amounts of information in a far more privacy conscious way. Amazon Kendra has released a Jira connection to enable document search on a Jira repository. So this allows you to index documents from Atlassian Jira. So often critical information is all over the place in an organization. Using Amazon Kendra, you have an intelligent search service powered by machine learning, which means you can find relevant information intelligently with intelligently based queries as well. Now you can get data from your Jira repository. Amazon Lex has launched support for Phrase Hints, Amazon Lex provides automatic speech recognition and natural language understanding capabilities so you can build applications and interactive voice response solutions with engaging user experiences. You can now programmatically provide phrases as hints during a live interaction to influence the transcription of spoken output. So for example, when interacting with a banking IVR, a customer may use a nickname, you know, Smythe Checking, for the destination account. You can execute business logic to identify the payee nicknames associated with the caller's account and supply these as hints, improving the transcription of names. Better recognition gives you better conversations and gives you better customer satisfaction. SageMaker Notebook instances now support the MLG5 instance family and Python 3.8 kernels. So you can take advantage of the power of those particular instance types. These are powered by NVIDIA A10G Tensor Core GPUs and it also uses the Amazon Linux 2 operating system. You get up to eight NVIDIA A10 Tensor Core GPUs and second generation AMD EPYC processors. You also get up to 192 vCPUs 100 gig of network bandwidth and up to 7.6 terabytes of local NVMe SSD storage. So you get a lot of performance there. Plus, you can now use Python 3.8 kernels with your notebooks on Amazon Sagebaker notebook instances. And you can select from Conda images with Python 3.8 for either PyTorch or TensorFlow for your notebook. Moving on to the topic of management and governance. AWS Control Tower now supports concurrent operations for preventative guardrails. So you can do this for all guardrail types, preventative or detective. With this new release, you can now enable or disable multiple preventative guardrails without needing to wait for individual guardrail operations to complete. So this gives you out of the box preventative and detective guardrails that you can deploy to improve your security, operational, and compliance posture. AWS Control Tower can now use the customer provided core accounts. So this means you can use your existing security and logging accounts, or you can have AWS Control Tower create new ones on your behalf when setting it up. So this lets you extend your governance across an existing environment as well as creating a new one. Incident Manager, which is a capability of AWS Systems Manager, has now announced expanded support for runbook automation to speed up incident diagnosis and resolution. And this helps you automate reactive processes to quickly diagnose and remediate any operational issues. You can now build incident runbooks that automatically run remediation actions on the involved resources, such as auto-scaling on a DynamoDB table that's uh, reaching capacity before engaging the on-call engineer. Customers can also invoke additional runbooks directly from the incident manager console to help resolve the incident faster. Amazon CloudWatch has announced an improved console experience, which will improve dashboard data visualizations and console navigations, and this includes new dashboard widgets and more options to access frequently used dashboards, log groups, and alarms. You can now use three new or improved widgets to enhance your view of your system health. There's a gauge widget that helps you visualize a number, such as memory utilization, in the context of minimum and maximum values. We've also added a sparkline feature, I'm a big fan of that, to the number widget, which helps you see the trend line of a number so you can see how the latest value performs relative to recent history. And finally, with the new mini map feature of the line widget, you can now zoom in within a line graph without losing the overall time range. This enables you to more easily navigate between different spikes and troughs without having to zoom out first. So some really great quality of life improvements there. Amazon CloudWatch Synthetics has added support for canary resource deletion when a canary is deleted. So when you delete a canary, you can choose, and this is not a real canary, obviously. A canary is a kind of test that we put in place to, uh, to understand what's going on in our environment without actually running a real test. Uh, when you delete a canary, you can choose whether to also delete related resources created by that canary, thus making canary resource management easier and efficient. Synthetic canaries that run on a defined frequency to monitor the health and performance of your endpoint APIs create these resources as part of the canary creation step, so you can clean up easily. Amazon Managed Grafana has introduced a new API for creating Grafana API tokens and has support for version 8.4. The Create Workspace API key lets you create Grafana API tokens without having to log in to the Grafana workspace console, which means you can programmatically create, delete and manage those resources much more easily. Today, we're announcing the general availability of AWS Distro for Open Telemetry for Metrics, which is a secure, production-ready AWS supported distribution of the Open Telemetry project. With this launch, customers can use Open Telemetry APIs and SDKs in Java, .NET, and JavaScript to collect and send metrics to Amazon CloudWatch, Amazon Managed Service for Prometheus, and other monitoring destinations supported by the Open Telemetry Protocol, or OTLP. Moving on to the topic of migration and transfer, there are two new storage locations available for AWS DataSync. Now, AWS DataSync is an online data movement service that makes it easy to sync your data both into and out of the AWS cloud. This release expands the number of supported storage locations from 10 to 12, spanning on-premises, edge, and other cloud storage services. And with DataSync, you can quickly and securely access your data across various storage locations, move it to AWS to support your workflows, processing, and data retention needs, as well as share and exchange data across locations. With this release, Datasync now supports Google Cloud Storage and Azure File Storage locations in addition to NFS Shares, Server Message Block or SMB, Shares, Hadoop Distributed File Systems, Self-Managed Object Store, AWS Snowcone, Adibus Simple Storage Service, Amazon EFS, Amazon FSx for Windows File Server, Amazon FSx for Lustre, and Amazon FSx for Open ZFS. Moving on to the topic of networking and content delivery, we're pleased to announce multi-account support for Adibus Transit Gateway Network Manager. So this now supports centralised management and monitoring of global networks across multiple AWS accounts within an organisation created using Adibus organisations. With this feature, Network Manager reduces the operational complexity of managing a large global network across AWS accounts over a single unified operational dashboard. An update for Amazon CloudFront, it now provides TLS version and Cypher suite in CloudFront Viewer TLS header. Now this provides the TLS header for use with origin request policies and CloudFront Viewer TLS is a HTTP header that includes the TLS version and Cypher suite used to negotiate the Viewer TLS connection. Previously, TLS information was made available in CloudFront access logs to analyze previous requests. Now you can access the TLS version and Cypher suite in each HTTP request to make real-time decisions, such as restricting requests with outdated TLS versions. And this makes it really easy to do real-time changes as well as monitoring what's going on in the past. Amazon VPC now supports multiple IPv6 blocks. So this allows you to create up to five prefixes for your VPC. Before today, you could add five IPv4 cider blocks and one IPv6 block. With this new feature, customers can use multiple blocks to build logical separation within their VPCs with independent cider blocks. CIDR blocks can be associated from the Amazon provider pool and or a pool of bring your own IPv6 addresses. Amazon VPC Traffic Mirroring now supports sending mirrored traffic to gateway load balancer-backed monitoring appliances. So this feature enables Amazon VPC Traffic Monitoring customers to centralize the out-of-band monitoring and inspection of network traffic across AWS accounts and VPCs. Amazon VPC Traffic Mirroring allows customers to replicate network traffic from an EC2 instance and forward it to security and monitoring appliances for use cases like content inspection, threat monitoring, and troubleshooting. Now, until now, you could send mirror traffic to monitoring appliances either directly using an ENI or through an NLB. With this new capability, you can forward it from your subnet, VPC, or account to the gateway load balancer-backed monitoring appliances via the gateway load balancer endpoints deployed in subnets for your workloads. This simplifies the monitoring of network traffic and the operation of it as well. And AWS PrivateLink has announced support for IPv6. You can now connect over IPv6 to your services hosted in AWS using AWS PrivateLink. Now, AWS PrivateLink is a highly available scalable technology that enables you to privately connect your VPC to supported AWS services and services hosted by other AWS accounts, as in VPC endpoint services, third-party SaaS services, and supported AWS marketplace partner services. With this launch, you can now easily enable IPv6 access to your existing IPv4-based or IPv6-based services via AWS PrivateLink by updating flags in your VPC endpoint service and NLB configurations. Moving on to the topic of security, identity, and compliance, you can now administer AWS single sign-on from a delegated member account in your organization. Now, AWS Single Sign-On supports this centralized administration and API access from an AWS organization's delegated administrator account for all member accounts in your organization. So what this means is you can designate an account in your organization that can be used to administer all the member accounts. And this means you can adhere to your best practices by reducing the need to use your management account. Now, AWS SSO is where you create or connect your workforce identities in AWS once and manage access centrally across all your AWS organization. And after enabling AWS SSO in your management account, you can designate a member account from the AWS SSO console. Administrators can sign into the delegated member account to assign users and groups to applications and to your organization's member accounts. No additional setup is required within the organization's individual member accounts. Onto the topic of storage, AWS Backup has added support for a number of different services. The Amazon FSX for NetApp ONTAP has been added and Amazon FSX for OpenZFS have also been added as something you can back up. And AWS Backup Audit Manager has added compliance management for data protection of hybrid VMware workloads. So with this launch, you can include all the VMware virtual machines in AWS Backup Audit Manager's controls to maintain the compliance status of your organizational data protection policies and generate unified auditor ready reports for your VMware workloads across your VMware Cloud on AWS, on premises, and on AWS Outposts. An update for Amazon FSX Amazon FSX for NetApp ONTAP is now certified for SAP HANA workloads. So you can deploy that onto that and take advantage of some of the data management features such as snapshots, clones, and snap mirror replication. And final update today Amazon EFS now supports a larger number of concurrent file locks. So this is the maximum number of file locks per NFS mount, and it can now acquire up to 65,536 locks, which is significantly up from the previous limit, which was 8,192. So now this lets you apply EFS to a broader set of applications that heavily leverage file locking. So these are things like message brokers and distributed analytics applications. So I hope there was something in there for you. As always, we'd love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do it. And of course, until next time, keep on building.